1: I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better.
0: I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Hi there. I'm Greg from Kapow. Visit us at kapow.com to check out our unique collection of everyday reusable products designed to help you do more with less. C-U-P-P-O-W dot
1: Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. It's Monday at 12 o'clock, and it's time for What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and this is the Heritage Radio Network. Um, And as always, nowadays, I'm starting off my segment with some joys and sorrows for the week of June the 13th. Um, And the first one, actually, I picked up last week on the subway. Um, It was just a a phenomenal um, moment of revelation. Overcome your bikini fears, ladies. You can get a breast augmentation, and you will be. Bikini ready. 100% financing is available, and it will only set you back $3,900 all in. Isn't that good news for the the coming season? I know I've been waiting to get mine augmented, and I'm sure you have been too. Actually, I kind of get the feeling that large breasts are sort of going out of style. I don't know. Maybe it's because models are so skinny that there aren't any, but um, I don't know. It just seems like um, those big-breasted ladies seem to be um, losing ground in terms of uh, at least what moves fashion designers, if not the rest of the public. I I I suspect that they will never lose favor amongst the male population, but you know, (laughs) the boys in the engineering booth are signaling, yes, that's true. Um, No,
0: no, absolutely not.
1: Absolutely not. No, it's, I know you're not looking, you're looking straight at my head. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's <laughs> what's inside the that
1: cans. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Um, here is one of my favorite stories of the week. Joy of joys, a new ice cream has been made by a company called Brio B R I O. It purports to be more than just a sweet treat. It's a full-on meal replacement. People get that a full-on meal replacement loaded with probiotics, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and electrolytes. It should take all the guilt out of consuming ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which you know is what you really want to do. And it comes in six flavors. I thought that was really good news. And then to follow up on my, um, like, what seems to be now a weekly segment for me, um, because I just love the story of Sam Brownback, and uh, trickle-down economics being put to uh, good effect in the state of Kansas, now rapidly going bankrupt. And so um, as part of the annals of Brownback's economic disaster in Kansas, the state, it was just reported, has given Cargill, one of the largest uh, f- agri-food companies in the world, a ten million dollar tax break in return for keeping their uh, plants open in the state. This the uh, company was considering moving up to Minnesota because that's where they're headquartered. Um, but uh, not only that, they not only are they going to stay in the state, but the city, uh, the state has given them. Not just $10 million in tax breaks, but also further incentives in terms of municipal bonds for building a new plant. And the good citizens of Wichita will be finding themselves picking up half the tab on a $15 million parking garage for the Cargill employees. Cargill has just shown us the way, how a company, all a company has to do nowadays is threaten to pick up their marbles and play in another state, and they get all the kickbacks they need. Well done, Kansas. Once again, Sam Brownback does the right thing by his citizens. Cargill, by the way, in case you don't, aren't familiar with them, is an immense company with over 150,000 employees in 67 countries, and last year they reported an income of $1.58. Billion dollars in revenue. They really needed that tax break, just like Kansas really doesn't need a school system. <laughs> um, and once more, I don't know whether this is a joy or a sorrow. Uh, I feel sorry for the people in Kansas, by the way, but I don't feel sorry for Sam Brownback, and I really, I hope he goes down in flames, and I'm looking forward to that moment. Um, but showing us once again uh, that the animal welfare struggle is 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 being addressed in the European Union and specifically in the United Kingdom, that is England, um, where their vets are demanding legislation, demanding legislation so that all slaughterhouses have closed circuit TV and that the vets have access to all of their footage. Why aren't American vets doing the same thing? I don't know. Right now in England, 90% of the abattoirs have cameras, but 30% are not compliant with making the footage available to vets, hence the call for legislation to force them to do that. So uh, can you imagine that ever happening in the United States? No, I can't. I mean, there are some plants with closed-circuit TVs, but um, they're not necessarily showing that stuff to either a third-party auditor or a veterinarian. Here's a joy, folks. Um... I guess it's a joy. You know, life is so nuanced. Nothing is black and white. It's just like, ah, it's amazing. So here's a piece of good news that comes out of kind of bad news. So the half moon Bay brewing company in California is experimenting with making beer from recycled wastewater. Okay. This is not on the market yet, but if, and when the rules change about using wastewater in consumer products, they will be way out in front. Um, And the reason this is cool is because they're using recycled water. But the reason that it's sad is because, A, they are running out of water. And, B, we're going to have to learn how to do that literally across the board to face the upcoming water shortages uh, that will be happening in the coming decades. Um, And, by the way, did you know that it takes 2.5 quarts of water to make one pint of beer? I thought that was kind of cool. Well, kind of sad, actually. Um, but like I said, nuanced as always. So, you know, making a silk purse out of a sow's ear, I think would be an expression for that. But the real, the real sadness is that we're running out of water. And here's my last, uh, joy of the week. Um, this is kind of gross, but it's kind of great. Excellent news from the United Egg Producers. Guess what? This came to me via my brother, by the way. Um, they will stop grinding up male chicks from layers, Instead, they will start sexing the eggs before the chicks hatch, disposing of those useless males before they develop within the egg. It's a step in the right direction, but unfortunately, it will take another three years plus before it becomes universal. The technology has yet to be fully developed or implemented nationwide. Still, um, the idea that, you know, they've been grinding up millions of, you know, live babies is, is kind of distressing, right? Um, Anyway, that's it for Joys and Sorrows this week. We'll be right back with um, Mike Shade, who is coming to us from uh, Safer Chemicals, Healthy Families. He's spearheading a uh, campaign called Mind the Store. We're going to be talking about the lining of cans and what it's doing to public health. So stay tuned and we'll be back right after this message.
0: Americans throw away 58 billion disposable cups every year. A lot of those cups will still be around long after you're dead. Kind of dark, I know. But I'm Greg from Kapow, and we decided to do something about it. We created the only glass travel mug that's 100% U.S. made. You can check it out alongside our complete line of everyday reusables at kapow.com. C-U-P-P-O-W dot
1: Oh Alrighty righty, then. Uh, Mike Shade spearheads the Mind the Store campaign, which aims to work with the nation's leading retailers on creating comprehensive chemicals policy, something we don't have, in case you didn't know that. It's an amazing fact, but we do not have a comprehensive chemicals policy. And for the previous eight years, Mike was the market campaign coordinator with the Center for Health, Environmental Environment, and Justice, uh, a national environmental health organization where he led the national campaigns to phase out PVC plastic, phthalates. BPA and dioxin. And prior to CHEJ, he was the Western New York Director of Citizens Environmental Coalition. Ethisphere Magazine has listed Mike as one of the 100 most influential people in business ethics for 2007. And the PVC campaign received two awards from the Business Ethics Network. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Great! Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, you know, when I read that report, I just was blown away. I really was. I had no idea that the uh, that there was so little legislation around, um, you know, chemicals in food packaging. Um, and so, why don't you start off the the show by telling us about Mind the Store, which is the campaign, and then the group that you work with, Safer Chemicals, Healthy Families.
2: Great. Yeah. Well, Safer Chemicals Healthy Families is a national coalition of public health, environmental, uh, labor, community organizations from around the country. Uh, The coalition is made up of over 450 uh, organizations and businesses around the country that are Mm -hmm. united uh, by our common concern about everyday toxic chemicals that can be found in consumer products from toys to furniture to electronics. Uh, and even in uh, food packaging. So we're working to uh, reform our outdated toxic chemical laws at the federal level. And then through our Mind the Store campaign, which is the effort that I lead, this is a national campaign that is working to challenge the nation's leading retailers, big retailers like Walmart and Target and Home Depot, to get tough on toxic chemicals in everyday consumer products. Because we know that the the pace of change uh, at the federal level is, Low, we think that large retailers like Walmart can have an important role to play to using their purchasing power and influence to drive uh, positive change in the marketplace by getting the worst of the worst chemicals. So we uh, launched our Mind the Story campaign three years ago to challenge uh, leading retailers to uh, eliminate and substitute toxic chemicals uh, like bisphenol A in uh, products that they carry. And we've identified Uh, over 100 chemicals, what we call the hazardous 100 chemicals that we're campaigning around uh, and encouraging big retailers to eliminate.
1: That's incredible. There are 100 toxic chemicals that are routinely found in consumer goods that we have to actually lobby for help having them removed from the food chain. That's incredible.
2: Yeah, I mean it's really it's really disgusting. It's awful. And in fact, that really only represents a subset of uh, hazardous chemicals that uh, governmental authorities have identified uh, around the country and around the world. In fact, there's probably at least a couple thousand that uh, the government governments around the world have identified as problematic. When we launched our campaign we identified over a hundred chemicals as a place for retailers to begin. Right. Um, and since since we launched our campaign, actually, some retailers have leapfrogged that. Both Walmart and Target, for example, have identified over a thousand chemicals that they're encouraging retailers to begin reducing and eliminating. So there's, there's a lot of problems out there. Um, unfortunately, the federal government has been asleep at the wheel when it comes to protecting American families from unnecessary, dangerous chemicals and consumer products, and so that's why we think that Big retailers kind of have an important role to play uh, in mining the store and ensuring that products are safer for uh, American families and consumers. So uh, so that's kind of, uh, you know, that's a little bit of background on the campaign. And I'm based here in, uh, in, uh, in New York City. I live in Greenpoint. Uh, but we're a national organization uh, based in Washington, D.C. And right. uh, if folks are interested, they can learn a little bit about the organization and campaign on our website at saferchemicals.org.
1: Oh, great. Okay, well, we're going to recap that at the end of the show. But um, right now, let's talk a little bit about the study. Um, you sent me the study, which I read. Um, it's 76 pages where your jaw drops further and further towards the floor as you go along. <laughs> <laughs> um, but who were some of the partners who worked in this? Because I know that it was very much um, spearheaded by the um, <clears throat> what is it, American Breast Cancer what was, what was yeah, the, orga- the report? The breast cancer organization uh,
2: report, which is called uh, BPA, Buyer Beware, talks about right. BPA and regrettable substitutes found in the linings of canned food. This is a collaborative report that was developed by uh, a number of uh, national organizations. In addition to our Mind the Story campaign, it was also uh, written by the Breast Cancer Fund, right. Uh Campaign for Healthier Solutions, which is a campaign to get dollar store chains to eliminate toxic chemicals and products. Uh, and then a couple of other organizations, uh, Clean Production Action, which is based in Massachusetts, and the Ecology Center, mm-hmm. which based in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. And then another organization that was also involved with the, with the uh, paper is a group called Environmental Defense, uh, not the EDF here in the U.S., but right. Environmental Defense in Canada. They're based in Toronto, Canada. So the collaboration between uh, national and international organizations in the U.S., in Canada, because we recognize that this is a, a challenge. The issue of toxic chemicals in food packaging is a challenging one that many organizations have been working on at the national and international level for a number of years. So we thought it made a lot of sense for us to work and collaborate together to uh, help call attention to Toxic chemicals like bisphenol A, BPA, in uh,
1: canned foods. Well, that that leads me to my next question. Can you <clears throat> can you just like for people who aren't familiar with this, um, or who don't really understand what this chemical is and how it's used? Can you just give us a background on BPA or bisphenol A, and and you know where it's found and and sort of generally how ubiquitous it is or is not? Right. So
2: uh, bisphenol A is a synthetic. Sex hormone, so it's uh, fundamentally a problematic uh, substance because it can interfere with and disrupt hormones in your body, even at extremely uh, low levels of exposure. It's considered a endocrine or hormone disrupting chemical. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, though, it has been widely used in uh, food packaging, uh, going way back uh, till the 1960s. Uh, it's commonly used as a component in uh, metal can coatings. Uh, which can protect the food from directly contacting metal surfaces, uh, which is positive. But unfortunately, BPA can migrate out of can linings and get into food. It's not only found in food packaging, it's found in many other types of products. Uh, Historically, it's been very commonly used to make uh, polycarbonate plastic. Uh, which uh, at one point was the very same type of plastic that was used in uh, Nalgene water bottles and also found in uh, baby bottles. Right. Uh, Bisphenol A is also used uh, to make other types of plastics. It's used as an antioxidant in making PVC vinyl plastic, which is considered to be the most toxic plastic on the market. And it's also commonly found in thermal receipt paper. Uh, so when you go to the grocery store or the bank uh, many times, it can be found in the thermal receipt paper, and you can be exposed to it that way. So it's found in um, hundreds and hundreds of different types of uh, consumer products. And because it's a uh, endocrine or hormone-disrupting uh, chemical, it can be dangerous at very low levels of exposure. And it has been linked uh, to a uh, wide array of health problems, problems, uh, and I can talk a little bit about that in a bit. So we, we, we put out this report to try to get a sense of, you know, where is this chemical still found in canned food linings uh, on grocery store shelves uh, around the country?
1: Mm-hmm. And you, as you said in the beginning uh, you, you you worked with um, you surveyed companies like Walmart Kroger, um, but also Dollar Tree and um, some of the discount stores and I thought that was a really interesting part of the campaign because um, for many people in low income areas or, or food desert areas, canned foods are pretty much all that 's available to them and so you, the the report cited a disproportionate level of um, of uh, contamination in low-income communities um, where people tend to rely more heavily on canned foods and and that that was a public health problem that had not been really addressed before this. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Right. So within the report, we uh, both tested uh, samples of canned food, uh, and then we also surveyed uh, major brands and retailers. So. Uh, We tested nearly 200 samples of canned food that we purchased in uh, 19 states in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we also uh, surveyed retailers to assess um, what their policies are on canned food. And so we tested products uh, from uh, major grocery retailers uh, like Kroger and Safeway and Albertsons and Publix and Mm -hmm. Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. Uh, We also tested products from uh, big-box retailers, companies like Walmart and Target and Costco, and then we also tested products from uh, dollar stores because, as you had noted, uh, in many cases and many lower-income communities, communities of color, uh, many of those types of communities often lack access to uh, fresh and healthy food. Uh, Many uh, urban communities and sometimes even rural communities do not commonly have um, grocery stores, or in some cases, farmer's markets uh, nearby. So we wanted to look at not just uh, whether or not BPA was found in can linings at major grocery and big-box stores, but also uh, discount retailers, dollar stores. Uh, and in our investigation, sadly, we found that discount retailers were among the laggards in transitioning away from uh, bisphenolane can linings. Uh, for example, at uh, Dollar Tree and uh, Family Dollar, which uh, those two companies have uh, combined forces, they merged recently, mm-hmm. uh, we identified CNLA in 83% of uh, the can linings that we sampled. Um, in the case of uh, Dollar General, another major dollar store, uh, we found that 64% of the samples that we tested were also uh, coated with BPA-based epoxy resins so this is a great concern, especially because, as we talked about, you know, these uh, discount retailers are often uh, the only major retail outlet that can be found in low-income communities. And a lot of times, these communities often already face uh, face higher rates of exposure to other chemicals of concern. Uh, low-income communities, communities of color, for example, are often located near other types of pollution sources, whether it be highways or chemical plants or yeah. – uh, landfills or uh, waste transfer stations, so these are communities that are already disproportionately uh, exposed to pollutants, and unfortunately we're seeing that the same is true also with um, with uh, food packaging because we found that the food packaging that we tested from these discount retailers uh, had high levels uh, high content BPA was frequently identified in the samples of food packaging that we tested. But uh, sadly, it's not only a problem in these types of discount retailers. It's also a problem in mainstream grocery stores sure. and even uh, uh, big box stores, and even uh, in uh, some of the uh, some of the companies like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's that we tend to think uh, may be more progressive and have taken care of this problem. But we also found VPA uh, and products that we purchased from some of those stores as well. So clearly, this is a Uh, This is a challenge uh, across the board among uh, both manufacturers, companies like Campbell's Soup and General General Mills, as well as uh, major retailers. Across the board, we found uh, BPA in uh, 67% of all canned foods that we tested. So, in other words, two out of three food cans that we tested, uh, tested positive for toxic BPA in the linings. And, again, this is a concern because the BPA uh, is not only in the in the food packaging but it can migrate out of the cans and uh, get into the food and eventually make its way into our bodies uh, testing by the federal government the cdc has identified bpa 90, over 90 percent of americans that have been tested mm. uh, and as i mentioned bpa is uh, dangerous at low levels of exposure and has been linked to uh, a wide range of different types of harmful health effects including uh, breast and prostate cancer Uh, infertility, type 2 diabetes, obesity. Uh, So this is a major public health issue, uh, but one that we think is preventable, and we think that larger retailers and brands can have a role to play in working with their suppliers to eliminate toxic BPA and also work with their suppliers to ensure that substitutes are safe.
1: Yeah, well, I, I want to talk for a second about the because you, what you're saying is, is that the the retailers have a role to play with the people who are actually making the cans um, that manufacturers put their goods into, and then and so and so i I feel like the retailers are almost uh, hamstrung. I mean they these the companies that manufacture the cans and the manufacturers who then use the cans are really the ones that have to be addressed here um the retailers are kind of at their mercy wouldn't you agree i mean you know you can't you know if if uh if campbell's soup uh doesn't tell its its packaging company that it doesn't want this well then you know stop and shop can't is not going to stop buying campbell's soup for their for their consumers, right? I mean, in a way, it's like it really has to go back down the food chain to the manufacturers who have to make these demands on the canned companies. So how, how, right. how can we, you know, how can we... F- um, deal with those guys, and also um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the lack of transparency from the can from the companies that create these cans, because as it says in the report, um, they uh, continue they, they consider their their can lining um, compounds to be quote unquote proprietary information. So then, how do you even? It's sort of like getting fracking companies to you know cop to what are the 127 chemicals involved in fracking? You know, like oh, oh no, we don't have to tell you that that's proprietary. Um, and it seems like the same thing is how with the can companies, and I'm just wondering, um, you know, how that how that can be uh, sort of forced out into the open. Does it take legislation? Does it take pressure from consumers? You know, what do you think is the is the best path forward on that?
2: Right. Well, uh, let me just take them point by point. Yeah. So, in terms of you know the question of is this a problem for the brands? Is this a, is this a challenge for the retailers? What role can retailers play? Um, it's, a, it's a sector-wide issue. Um, certainly, large brands can play an important role in working with their suppliers to eliminate toxic BPA and ensure that um, substitutes are safe. Uh, but we also think that retailers can have a role to play as well, especially because we not only looked at um, canned foods from major brands like Campbell's, Campbell Soup, and Del Monte, but we also looked at the, the private label Mm. Or generic brands for major retailers, right. Um, so just to give so just a couple points on the major brands. so we found one hundred percent of all Campbell soup products sampled contain BPA based epoxy resins.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Even though the company has been saying they've been making significant progress in transitioning away from BPA. Um, fifteen out of fifteen of their uh, products that we tested came up positive for BPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news is that once Campbell got word that our report was coming out, Literally, a day or two before the report came out, Campbell Soup made a new commitment that they were going to be transitioning at a BPA from their North American cans by uh, mid-2017. And while we think that is a positive step in the right direction, we don't think it goes far enough because, A, that only applies to their North American brands, and B... They did not say how they were going to be evaluating the safety of alternatives, as you were pointing to, as an issue. Uh, and this is not just an issue for Campbell Soup. We also found General Mills, 50% of General Mills products that we sampled, also tested positive for BPA. And Del Monte, we found 71% of uh, products sampled from Del Monte tested positive for BPA. So clearly, this is an issue that major brands uh, need to address. And uh, one of our partner organizations, Breast Cancer Fund, they have a national campaign called Cans Not Cancer, which has been challenging uh, the big brands like Campbell's and General Mills to uh, eliminate toxic BPA and ensure that substitutes are safe. Mm-hmm. But again, we think that this is an issue that retailers uh, need to address as well, because they not only have—they're not only selling the Campbell's soup and the General Mills and Del Monte products—and clearly have power and influence over those as. Uh, major suppliers. You know, if you think about a company like a Kroger or a Walmart, they have a huge influence over those brands because most of their products are sold in their stores. You know, if you look yeah. at where are Campbell Soup products sold, well, they're sold in companies like Kroger and Walmart and Albertsons sure. and Safeway. Uh, but also these retailers, companies like Kroger and Albertsons and Walmart. They have a ton of their own private label or generic food cans, and they have a lot of influence to uh, move those products and transition those products to safer food packaging materials. And we found across the board this is not just a problem for the brands, but it's also a huge problem for the retailers. We found that across the board, 62% of the retailers' private label or generic food cans uh, tested positive for BPA, we tested 114 uh, can linings from the retailers' private label brands, mm-hmm. and 71 out of 114 tested positive. And this was true for big companies like uh, Walmart and Target. Like in the case of Target, 100% of the samples from Target private label cans tested positive. 88% of Walmart's uh, tested positive. Wow. Uh Kroger, and, Kroger, and Albertsons—they're the two biggest grocery chains. A uh, dedicated grocery chains in the country, uh, we found 62% of Kroger products sample tested positive, and 50% of Albertsons. Meanwhile, five years ago, uh, Kroger announced that they were going to be moving out of BPA. Here we are five years later, and we found that 62% of the samples uh, came up positive. Right. So we think that the retailers uh, have an important role to play given their power and influence. I mean, these are well, huge, it's very multi-billion telling. dollar companies.
1: Yeah, of you course. You know, Kroger
2: has $100 billion in sales a year. So we think they, they can have a role to play as well. They,
1: they absolutely do. I, I, I totally see that. And I, I think it's very telling that, you know, they pay lip service because, of course, this BPA business has been, you know, has been a sort of ongoing, slow, percolating um, scandal that sort of flares up when they find it in baby bottles or flares up when they find it in your drinking right. water bottle. Um, but I think that people are, you know, remain sort of Largely unaware of how ubiquitous this chemical is, and by the way, one thing that we didn't bring up is that it also crosses the um, the placental barrier. So when children are in utero, they can be affected by these endocrine disruptors, which could have you know effects that we still don't haven't seen yet, um, even though. Actually, why wouldn't we have seen them? Because this has been used for 45, 50 years, right?
2: Oh, right. Yeah. And all of us have you know, measurable levels of this chemical in our bodies. Yeah. And it's interesting because BPA is not a chemical that builds up in our bodies. It's not like dioxin, where it, when you're exposed to it, it stays in your body for years. It exits your body pretty quickly. Um, and according to the CDC, 93% of Americans have detectable levels of BPA. In their urine, which suggests that people are consistently being exposed and re exposed to BPA through food and from other sources. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, it's been found in, you know, it's even found in babies. Like babies are being more yep. pre polluted, exposed to this chemical. Um, so at the earliest stages of life, when uh, when infants are at their most vulnerable stages, they're being exposed to uh, an extremely, a, a chemical that could be dangerous at extremely Low levels of exposure. It's also been found in breast milk, what should right. be the most purest food for for babies. And we're not saying that. Uh, to be clear, we're not saying that women shouldn't breastfeed. But what we're saying is that big big brands and retailers, given that it's showing up in things like breast milk, big brands and retailers need to do all they can to eliminate this unnecessary toxic chemical and move towards. Uh, safer alternative. Well, let
1: me ask you this, because, I mean, it seems like it's obviously been the most popular choice for can linings for what I assume are very good reasons it's, it seems more stable than other products that line cans I'm, obviously, there are reasons why the industry has adopted this uh, so wholeheartedly and then um, my, and then uh, in addition to that i 'm wondering um, why is it so hard to find a non toxic uh, product to line cans with because one of the things in the report and we 'll talk I would like to talk about this for a minute is is the sort of regrettable substitutions that um, are not BPA. Um, but have basically the same profile in terms of being toxic to consumers. So it's obviously really hard to replicate this product. Um, And yet, um, and that's probably why companies have not made the transition. So can you talk a little bit about why this is such a popular chemical and why it's been so hard to transition away from it um, in terms of of, of using other products for can linings?
2: Right. Well, for one, I mean, like I said, this is you know a chemical uh, that's used in epoxy resins and can linings. This has been used for decades now. So the food packaging industry has really been wedded uh, to this chemical, and unfortunately, they're uh, you know they're not they're wedded to a chemical that uh, increasingly scientific studies show is um, harmful for children and for public health. Um, uh, companies have been uh, working to reduce. And eliminate its use. And that's, that's, that's one of the things, one of the stories in a report that uh, we didn't get to yet, but I think is positive. We are finding yeah. that um, some major brands and retailers are moving towards other materials. So, on the plus side, some big brands like Amy's Kitchen, uh, or even smaller brands too, Amy's Kitchen, Annie's Homegrown, Pain Celestial, uh, you mentioned ConAgra. Uh, ConAgra has actually fully transitioned away from BPA. And some of these companies are disclosing the alternatives. Uh, Eden Foods, for example, reported eliminating the use of BPA in 95% of their canned foods and that they're actively looking for alternatives. Uh, the retailers that we engaged and surveyed, uh, Whole Foods, has clearly adopted the strongest policy of any of the retailers we uh, surveyed in this report. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they told us that their store brand buyers for the Whole Foods brands are currently No longer accepting any new canned items with BPA in the lining material. So that shows that companies can move to other materials, but if what, you know, the the fundamental question is, what are, what about the alternatives and the alternatives are safe? Um, unfortunately, uh, identifying the safety of alternatives has been challenging, one, because uh, there are problems with how the FDA reviews and approves uh, new packaging additives, mm-hmm. additives, and they're, uh, they do a lot to protect what industry describes as trade secrets in this product sector. And so, when we um, when we wrote to retailers and brands, we asked them, you know, what what is what are the alternatives that are that you're using, and can you share us information about the safety of all, those alternatives? Sadly, most companies did not. Uh, respond. Wow. Uh, most most companies were not being transparent about what the alternatives that they're using. So through our testing, uh, we identified four major types of putting types as alternatives. We found acrylic resins, oleo resins, polyester, polyester resins, <laughs> and uh, PVC or vinyl copolymers. Mm, now two of those yummy. we know are clear regrettable substitutes. The the PVC resins can be considered. Regrettable substitutes. PVC is considered to be the most toxic plastic uh, on the planet because, from production to use to disposal, it uses and releases highly hazardous chemicals like vinyl chloride and dioxins and mercury and phthalates. Wow. Uh, another another regrettable substitute that we identified is uh, styrene-based resins. We found of uh, the cans that we tested. Um, 39% had a polystyrene acrylic combination. And this is this is of concern because polystyrene, which is also used to make styrofoam, is uh, made with styrene, which is considered a possible carcinogen. It's a fundamentally hazardous chemical. So there were two al- quote-unquote alternatives that we identified in our testing that some companies are using that are cl- clearly problematic. So we're definitely recommending that Major brands and retailers avoid vinyl and styrene-based resins yeah. whenever, whenever possible, when transitioning away from uh, BPA. For the other, uh, for the other resins that they're that they're using, uh, the jury is still out in terms of whether or not we consider those to be safe or not. Uh, one of the alternatives, oleo resin, which is a, a plant-based resin, yeah. it's, it's made from uh, it's made from natu- more natural materials. Uh, there has not been enough um, testing that has been conducted to evaluate the safety of, uh, of those materials. Uh, we think, so, one of, one of our asks to brands and retailers in this report is to work with suppliers, both can lining manufacturers, as well as chemical companies that make the chemicals that go into linings. Conduct studies to evaluate the the safety of those alternatives using a tool such as what's called the green screen to evaluate the safety of alternatives. Because we don't, you know, consumers don't want, you know, a Walmart or a Kroger or a General Mills or Campbell's soup to eliminate BPA and then move to another problematic chemical. You know, we want. We want to ensure that the substitutes are actually safe and healthy for our families. So that's that's really one of our main asks is for retailers and brands not just to eliminate VPA, but work with their suppliers to conduct studies and to evaluate the safety or the potential health hazards of the alternatives to ensure we're not moving from one bad actor to a chemical and to avoid. What we call regrettable substitute. I know. I, Light, I love. I love PVC the resins.
1: Yeah, I love the regrettable. I, I think that's a wonderful way of putting it. Regrettable. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's so polite
1: civilized. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly.
2: Sometimes.
1: I want to talk a little bit because we're gonna we're gonna run out of time soon. Um, what what is the role of the FDA in this? Uh, why is it that the FDA um, is not more active in uh, both you know screening these these products? Screening these chemicals uh, for consumer safety, and um, and and also um, and, and 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 what kind of regulations uh, would help to force retailers and manufacturers um, to invest in the research and development it obviously is going to take to find uh, alternatives to BPA and other you know polystyrenes and, the, and and the other chemicals that you described that are so uh, widely used today.
2: Right, that's a really good question. Um, well, unfortunately, the the regulatory systems uh, within the FDA governing chemicals used in, in food packaging really uh, fall far short of ensuring that um, chemicals in food packaging and food additives are safe for consumption. Uh, you know, for example, there's many other hazardous chemicals that are approved for use in food packaging. For example, phthalates, another class of yeah. endocrine or hormone-disrupting chemicals, which are so toxic they've been banned in children's products. So they've been banned in kids' toys, but they're allowed to be used in food packaging. Uh, and we know from many research studies that chemicals present in food packaging routinely leach into food and enter people's bodies, including BPA. Uh, so in 2010, some years ago, uh, I guess six years ago, the FDA joined other federal health agencies in expressing, quote, some concern over BPA safety mm-hmm. And at the time, they publicly supported industry taking action to remove BPA from baby bottles, uh, feeding cups, as well as the lining of infant formula cans and other food cans. Uh However, a few years later, uh, and not surprisingly, the chemical industry was putting an incredible amount of pressure on the FDA. In 2014, the FDA reversed course, and, and they concluded that BPA is currently used does not pose a threat to public health. And there's some problems with the FDA's review, uh, one of which is they use extremely stringent criteria, and that eliminated most available studies from consideration. So, for example, they, they threw out dozens of uh, independent peer-reviewed epidemiological studies that were available. They rejected those. They also uh, rejected many other um, animal and cell studies. Uh, and that's not to say that all studies that are out there are designed and executed well, uh, but they threw out many studies that have shown BPA can be hazardous. They also did not really uh, look, they did their evaluation methods that, the, that they used do not really consider the possibility of very low-dose effects like those that have been observed in multiple research studies on BPA. Uh, on, you know, for chemicals like BPA that are hormone disruptors. Uh-huh. So, scientists that have, that are experts that study these chemicals have been call have been calling for the government to, to evaluate how substances like BPA can interfere with and, uh, impact, uh, uh hormonal, hormonal systems. Right. So, there's some fundamental concerns with the way that the FDA has, uh, evaluated, uh, bisphenol A. And perhaps not surprisingly, when BPA was first approved by the federal government, they predominantly relied on industry-funded studies, which, surprise, found that the chemical (laughs) was safe. Yeah.
1: You know, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the story is just repeated over and over. Like, you name a product, name a chemical, na- you know, and it's like industry funded, you know, and, and everything right. else is suppressed. I mean, it's just incredible. Right. I know that uh, Barbara Boxer, I think it was, it was introduced new legislation uh, recently around food packaging. And I wondered if you could bring us up to speed on what that was and sort of where it stands now. Um you know what I'm talking about, right? Because that was mentioned in the report. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So um, there's been legislation that's been introduced off and on in recent years uh, called the uh, the Ban Poisonous Food Additives Act, which would <laughs> require—yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? We should yeah, probably ban totally poisonous food okay. additives. I think, I think it's, mean, a a it's a good idea. <laughs> 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 uh, this is a federal piece of legislation that hasn't been introduced in this Congress uh, recently, but it's been introduced in previous years, which would uh, require the FDA to more strictly regulate the safety of uh, food packaging. So we're hopeful that this legislation will be uh, reintroduced uh, this year. We understand that um, Senator Markey's office has been in touch with different offices to uh, to uh, develop this legislation, and we're hopeful oh. that that legislation will be reintroduced this year. Of course, though, given the state of Congress these days—you uh, know, given how Congress moves—we don't have a lot of hope that that will move, um, especially in an election year. Yeah, and that's right. why we're we're really challenging major brands and retailers to step up. Yeah, so we've launched uh, online petitions calling on companies like Campbell's Soup and Kroger and Albertsons to use their power and influence to get toxic chemicals like BPA off the market. So, just in the past couple of months. Over 100,000 people across the country have signed online petitions calling on Kroger, the biggest grocery chain in the country, to uh, make good on their progress or make good on their promise that they announced back in 2011 to move away from BPA Uh and to set clear timeline and plan of action for completely eliminating BPA from their products and ensuring that substitutes are safe. So, over 100,000 people. Have signed online petitions, and you can, uh, your listeners can go to our website at uh, saferchemicals.org and sign the petition uh, by going to the take action button, and uh, right. and we're stepping up the pressure. We just sent a letter to the CEO of Kroger uh, two weeks ago, um, letting him know that you know we're really concerned about this. And there's been over a hundred thousand people that have uh, signed petitions and sent emails, uh, and just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Kroger is headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, and dozens of activists from Ohio Citizen Action organized a protest outside of Kroger's uh, corporate headquarters. Uh, they chanted, they held signs, and then what they did is they actually symbolically uh, returned cans that were tested in our report that, that tested positive for BPA. They returned those cans, and they delivered them to the CEO along with a letter telling Kroger that we want them to can toxic BPA. And you can expect, especially with Kroger's shareholder meeting coming up next week, that we'll see more activities like this in the in the week and the weeks to come. Yeah. Uh, pressure on Kroger and other big grocery chains and brands to get toxic BPA off the market.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, this is our last moment, so I want you to tell people again, like, what, you know, Learn more about safer families, healthy chemical. No, wait, safer chemicals, healthy families. That's your that's your parent organization, right? And this campaign is hashtag Mind the Store. What else should and people can read the report. Where can they read the report?
2: Right. So you can. Uh, we actually created a website uh, where you can download the report. It's available at toxicfoodcans.org. Uh, the report again is called uh, Buyer Beware. Uh, we definitely encourage folks to consider taking action and sending an email to uh, CEO of Kroger as well as CEO of Albertsons, which is the second largest grocery chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that petition is available on our website at saferchemicals.org. Uh, um, but also, you know, we think that consumers can also have an important role to play by uh, avoiding canned food linings that contain BPA. So look for can linings that are labeled BPA-free, but yeah. BPA-free is not always enough, and that's why it's important for you to ask manufacturers or retailers what is the alternative that they're using instead. And even better, you can sometimes use other types of food packaging, like uh, glass and ceramic and uh, uh, cardboard, for example. Mm-hmm. You see many soups these days that are in uh, tetra packs, for example, which are uh, actually safer Um Uh, so not only, uh, taking action online, uh, another thing that folks can do is reach out to your congressperson, write to your congress member and ask them to support federal legislation, uh, that would, uh, that would give FDA the regulatory power to ensure that toxic chemicals like BPA are no longer, uh, showing up in food packaging, especially things like canned food.
1: That's great. Mike, we got to leave it there. But thank you so, so much. This was so interesting and informative. And I urge people to uh, continue to follow this story and to sign the petition and and read that report, because it's a real eye opener about how, um, you know, basically how we did not mind the store and we let food companies decide what we were going to eat and how we were going to eat it. And now we're mad because we don't like what they have. So now we have to speak up. And that's our obligation as voters and citizens. So thank you so much for joining me today. My thanks to my sponsor and to my engineer. And we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks a lot for listening and have a great week.